One more time. I want you to shake the person next to you real quick and say, remember the why. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. See, if you desire to experience healthy, steady, godly, and victorious lifelong growth, you need to know the why. You have to be open to the how, and you have to value the process. All right, so we're, we're, I'm getting you ready for the One Things relaunch, all right? So we got these banners going on, and we're like, what the crap is that about? You're going to learn right now. Oh, what the heck is that about? Sorry, guys. I'm just going to be myself. I'm sorry, guys. I don't cuss, though, unless you view that as a cuss word. What the heck is that about, all right? Well, we're going to talk about it. It's about lifelong growth. It's about maturity. It's about many sons being brought to glory. It's about us becoming who God has called us to be. Not just fulfilling your potential, but fulfilling your God-given destiny. This is what One Things is about. You know, I know in our world, in our day and age, we like experience, right? Everybody's looking for the next big experience, the next big thing, the next big party, the next big reality show, the next big opportunity. But there's a lifelong principle that we see in Scripture that has been proved all throughout the universe. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And you reap what you sow is about consistent growth that happens on a daily basis. Right? Now, we a lot of times tend to have neglected that metaphor because we don't live in an agricultural society any longer. At least here in the Bay Area. All we know about gardens is the inner city Oakland Garden two blocks up down the street. All right? But in an agricultural society, they understood the law of process. They understood you reap what you sow, meaning you plant a seed, it doesn't sprout up overnight. But because we're so used to, uh, what are these uh, things, that, these processes now where you can like cause a seed to uh, germify and do all that kind of jazz. What's that called? Germinate. There you go. Germinate. And you could actually cause it to increase the, the, the light. You could cause it to grow faster than it actually naturally does, right? With hormones and all this other kind of stuff. Y'all feel me? Because of these processes, we tend to look at the biblical principle of reaping what you're sowing and biblical laws of process, and we don't feel like we have time for them. Because ain't nobody got time for that. But you have to understand that growth happens incrementally. Growth happens daily. And maturity is not a one-time quick fix. Maturity is not an age. Maturity is not an experience. Spiritual maturity is not just one encounter with God. It's a growth process. And as we move forward in this one thing's process, learning how to become spiritually mature, physically mature, relationally mature, financially mature, vocationally mature, mature in our service and our mission. As we begin to grow in understanding what this looks like, we have to come down to the basic question of why. We have to remember the why. We have to remember the why. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a little kid where you're starting to share something with them and they're asking you, well, why? All right, I need you to wash your hands. Well, why? Because you got dirt on your hands. Well, why? Because you were playing outside in the mud. Well, why? Because you wanted to go outside in the mud. Well, why did I? Because you did. I don't know. Go wash your hands, boy. Right? Have you ever done that with one of your parents? Or with a teacher? Now, I know how annoying those questions could be. And I know how tedious those questions could be. But they're absolutely necessary to understand if your desire is to go, go forward in lifelong growth. The why is essential. Your why has to be stronger than your want. 
Your why has to be stronger than your want. Understanding your why is what keeps you moving forward when the want is not there any longer. When you no longer want to do something, you have to remind yourself of why you're doing it in the first place. Right? I shared on Sunday how my wife and I were moving forward in the process of getting out of debt. And, you know, for the first couple years of our marriage, we paid off a couple cards. And, and then finally last year, God slapped us up a little bit and we got encouraged and inspired. And we're like, all right, we're going to do this. And as we begin to move forward, I wanted to do it. I want to like, I want to get out of debt. I want to be free. You know what I'm saying? Freedom. I watch Braveheart. I'm like, I can't yell that freedom yet. I want to be freedom in my, I want to be freedom in my finances. I want freedom in every area of my life. But as we're moving forward in there, the want's strong. The want's moving forward. It's motivating me. Okay, great. But I'm not going to lie. About two months into it, <laughs> all right, we got first, we got our savings, paid off our first card. But two months into it, my body started dragging. I physically started feeling it. It was getting hard for me to wake up. I was doing really good. I was on routine. I was blogging every single day. Like, Francis was mad at me because I stopped. And she's like, you need to hurry up and keep doing it. But honestly, I just got, I got tired. Right? I, was, I was getting up to work out. I was getting up spending time with God hecka early. But all of a sudden, I began to move forward. And I started getting tired. And pretty soon, halfway through, my want began to diminish. So I really don't want to go to work again. I don't want another week with four 12-hour shifts. I don't want another four, four, or four 12-hour days or another day that's a 14-hour day, like a Sunday. I don't want that anymore. But I was reminded of the why. I had to look at myself, shake myself a little bit and say, remember the why. You're in debt right now and you're a slave, Joseph. Do you like being a slave? Joseph, do you like that there's somebody that you owe money to and they're constantly calling you or sending you letters? Joseph, do you like the fact that you just can't make any financial decisions with you want? Because in reality, someone could just come up to your house and take everything that you own. Because it's not really yours right now because you're in debt. Remember the why. You have to remember the why. And so when I look at my life, I begin to look at this process. I'm like, dang, that why has to be bigger than my want. That why has to be a lot more powerful than my want. It has to be a lot more powerful than my like or my dislike. You know, in Nehemiah chapter 4, the story in Nehemiah is that they get ready to go to, they're going, Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem and all of the walls in Jerusalem are tore down. He goes out, he scouts it out, he develops a plan. He asks for the king for some uh, uh, materials to be able to rebuild the wall. And he goes and he's walking around, he scouts it out, he devises this plan and then boom, they start building. Well, as they begin to build, everybody's excited, right? I mean, it's great to start off in new things, isn't it? I mean, it's fresh. You know, I mean, like when you're a little kid and you're going to school and you got the new shoes on and you got your new shirt. just smells like new shirt, right? You know, the new shirt smells. And like you're excited. You got your, you got your new binder and your backpack or you start a new job. You got your new shoes. You got your new tie. You got your new shirt. But shoot, after like three months of school, after six months of working for that boss that don't really seem to like you, it's like, dang, my motivation, I just took a fat dip, right? And the same thing happened with Nehemiah. And it's not just a natural phenomenon. That happens spiritually. How many of you guys, you start a new process in your walk with God. I'm going to read the Bible 30 minutes a day for five days a week, right? You start reading. It's exciting. God's speaking to you. You're moving forward. Then all of a sudden, 
week happens, like, cool, I got this. The next week happens, oh, snap, I'm getting a little tired. Third week happens, oh, dang, I'm in Leviticus right now. This, what, what, is that, what, is, what does that have to do with my life, right? You're reading through Ecclesiastes. Oh, this is so sad, reading through Lamentations. Lord, I want to hang myself, right? Reading through Job. Man, God, like, trick this Bible stuff. I'll read one verse a day, maybe. And you get into, you get in, you get into these modes, right? Spiritually, physically, naturally, emotionally, mentally, it happens everywhere. And it was happening in Nehemiah. And not only were they starting to feel that, but enemies were coming around them and started to discourage them and started to threaten them. And so not only were they getting probably physically tired, emotionally tired, mentally tired, man, it doesn't seem there's, there's too much mess here. It doesn't seem like we could rebuild it. Now we got enemies threatening to take our very lives. And so I want us to look at Nehemiah chapter four, starting in verse 10. It says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. Physically, they're tired, y'all. They've been working day and night to rebuild this wall. They are physically tired, emotionally tired, mentally tired. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. The circumstances make it seem impossible. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, whenever you turn, they will attack us. They're intimidated now. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. What was Nehemiah saying to them? Remember the why. Remember what it was like 30 days ago, 45 days ago, when the wall was completely in ruins. When your people were trembling with fear that the enemy armies and enemy people around them can come in at any moment and overtake them. Remember your sons and daughters. Think about future generations that are going to grow up without the protection of a walled city. Never knowing that their God is greater than all the other gods among them. Remember your daughters who are vulnerable to being raped. Because they have no walls. They have no protection around them. Remember your sons who are going to grow up not only as, as young men who are strong and valiant warriors of God, but who are probably intimidating and walking around as cowards and walking around fear to, fearfully. What was Nehemiah saying? Remember the why. I know your physical body is weak. I know emotionally and mentally you feel tired. And you feel drained. I know, matter of fact, I know you feel intimidated. Satan's in your ear telling you why you can't. Telling you why it's not possible for God to do what he promised he's going to do in your life. Satan's in your ear reminding you of how much you've messed up. Or how much God has promised you, but how none of it has seemed to come to pass. But remember the why. Remember the why. Remember why we're rebuilding this wall. It's for people who are going to come, who are born from our line, and they're going to rise up and say the God of Israel is great. He's the God who restores. Remember why you're building this wall, because we're also building a temple inside of it. It's a sanctuary to God most high, where we're going to offer sacrifices of worship and praise, and we're going to glorify him. Remember the why. Remember the why. Nehemiah is trying to get them to remember why they were beginning to do what they were doing. 
And as you move forward in growth, as you move forward in the processes that God has for us, you have to begin to identify your why. As we think about the one things in this first quarter, we're talking about spirituality. You know, it's really easy to get excited about just saying, oh, I want to read the Bible more. But why? I want to pray more. But why? I want to fast more. But why? I want to go to church more. Great. But why? Why do you want to do those things? Is it just so you could look great in front of the eyes of the pastor? Because you know what? The pastor's not going to always be here. Who cares what he thinks of you? Can I be real? You're going to have to stand before Jesus, not the pastor. So what you do or don't do in your secret life has nothing to do with the pastor. It has everything to do with you and your relationship with God. Now, do I care what Pastor Benjamin thinks of my life? Heck yes. Do I listen to his instruction and his guidance and submit to his authority and his words? Heck yes. But I'm fully, completely, 100% responsible for my spiritual growth, not him. When someone says, Joseph, why are you spending 30 minutes a day listening or reading your Bible every day for the spiritual one things? I'm going to say because one day I'm going to have to give account to God what I did with the love letter that he wrote to me and entrusted to my care. One day I'm going to have to stand before God and, and give an account for how I received his promises and how I walked in them or how I didn't walk in them. Because one day I'm going to have to stand before God. But not only that, I want to be a better husband. I want to know how to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church. I want to be a better worker. I want to know how to, how to have my work ethic bring glory to God. As Colossians says, give glory to God in all th- everything that you do. Joseph, why are you reading the word? Because I know that the word of God is a compass. It's a map. It directs my life according to the path that God has laid out for me. I know that my mind seems to flounder every now and then. I know that I tend to get confused. I know that I tend to get discouraged. I know that I tend to get scared. And the word of God is going to bring life to all of those areas that life seems to be diminishing. So why are you reading it? I'll give you a list of why. I'm going to have to remember the why. As you move forward in this 30 days or as you move forward in this three-month process for spirituality, you have to identify your why. But there's also five enemies of the why that you need to be aware of. There's five enemies of the why that you need to be aware of. One is discouragement, right? Discouragement comes. What does it really literally mean? It literally means to take courage out of one's heart, to pull it out. When you think about discouragement, I want you to think about someone coming up to your heart, sticking their hand in your heart, ripping it out and throwing it on the ground and stepping on it. Because that's what the enemy is going to try to do to you when you move forward. He's going to try to discourage the mess of you. But you have to draw courage from your why, not your circumstance. You have to take your eyes off your circumstance and put them back on the why. You have to take your eyes off of what's going on as you're moving forward and put them back on why you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Why you're moving forward in these steps. Why, the power of discouragement is really overrated. It should not move you, though it makes you feel like you're crippled. It should not cause you to take step backwards, steps backward, though it makes you feel like you want to tremble in shadows. You have to be able to say, I'm drawing my courage from the why. I'm remembering. I'm rebuilding this wall because one day my daughter is going to grow up and I don't want them to have a fear of anybody coming into their city. One day my children are going to grow up and I want them to know the power of God that's resting in our family. One day my kids are going to grow up and I don't want them growing up in debt 
feeling as if they constantly have to owe somebody or grow up in a poverty mentality. I'm remembering my why. In the midst of my discouragement, I'm drawing courage from the why. Discomfort. Discomfort is another enemy of the why. But you, you need to understand that discomfort is a foe to greatness. Most growth never happens without discomfort. And if you allow discomfort to cripple you, you will not move forward. If you allow discomfort to cripple you, you will remain lame spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, vocation, in your, vocationally, in your service, and in your sense of destiny, your mission. If you allow discomfort to cripple you. You know, I look at people that work out all the time. And it is not comfortable to have your muscles ripped apart. It's not comfortable. Have any of you guys ever tried getting on a workout plan and you hadn't worked out in super long? And that first week, how did you, if you, okay, if you really worked out, I'm not talking about you like got a dumbbell with like one, two, three, praise Jesus. One, two, three. Thank you, Lord. Mm -mm. That was a hard workout. I'm talking about you were like, you were sweating. You like threw up because you worked out so hard. That's discomforting. And if you do that for a couple days when you haven't done it for a very long time, you know what happens? You like wake up and like, I can't move. I can't feel my legs. Where are my legs at? Oh, Jesus, I'm still alive. Right? Like it hurts. It stings. But without that discomfort, you're not growing. All you're doing is exercising a strength that you already have. It's not getting any stronger. It's not maximizing. So you have to recognize that discomfort in many situations is actually a very good thing, y'all. You know, Growing in accountability, as we get ready to move into small groups, we share that one of the great importances of our small groups is accountability and support, right? But I'm going to be real. It's very discomforting to open up my life to somebody. It's very discomforting to be vulnerable and to share with them some of my deepest things, my deepest struggles, my deepest temptations. It's very discomforting to say, yeah, I said this to my wife and I know it was stupid. It's very discomforting to say, yeah, this is what I've been thinking today. I know it's not really good. But without that discomfort, growth is not going to happen. So you can remain comfortable in a, in, a, in a prison of comfortability, or you could get ready to move forward in discomfort and grow. You got to make the choice, but it's an enemy discomfort. Dislike. Your dislike must be subordinate to your purpose. Your dislike must be subordinate to your purpose. As we get ready to move forward in this growing process, there's going to be a lot of things that you don't like. There's going to be a lot of things that you're not liking to do. Do I like working four or five 12-hour days? Heck no. Do I like hearing people complain about how bad they got tipped or how many people gave them attitude or how many Christians on Sundays go out and spend over $100 on a tab and leave $2? No, I don't like hearing about that. But do I endure it? Yes. Do I overcome it? Yes. Why? Because I remember the why. I remember the why. And my dislike has to become subordinate. I have to get my dislikes and make them a slave to my purpose. Dislikes or likes, desire, you will serve the purpose of God in my life. You will serve it. And you will like it. And if you don't, I don't care. Y'all got to get tenacious. You got to get angry with certain things in your life. P, 
DB shared, you know, he's like, God spoke to him. He's like, you're the weight that you want to be. He was like, what God? You're tripping. And then he woke up and said, dang, that's real. I don't dislike my situation enough. I don't dislike how I feel enough. I don't dislike the way my relationship is enough to get ready and move forward and change it. I have to make my likes or dislikes subordinate to my purpose. For him, as he shares that, you know, if I want to get, if I want to run the race and be 45, 50, 60, 75, 80, 90, 99 years old living for the glory of God, I need to get in shape. I need to eat better. Do I like vegetables? No. As he says, I'm a carnivorous, just like I'm his son, man. I love bacon. I love steak. I love chicken. I started loving steak more once I got married to Andrea because she's from Texas. You know what I'm saying? They be eating steak all the time. And I work at a steakhouse now. But I have to eat veggies. And I just gulp them down with water. Right? I don't have to like it, but I got to make it subordinate to my purpose. Dislike. Next, disillusionment. Things are not always what they seem. Just because you don't see it does not mean it's not happening. You know, so many times we're quick to give up because we don't see the results that we want to see as we're moving forward in growth in our life. Have you ever noticed a kid that's growing up and he never thinks that he's getting bigger or stronger? But then someone who hasn't seen him in a year looks at that 10-year-old and says, whoa, you've grown. And he's like, really? How do I grow? But that kid, because he's seeing what's in front of him every single day. But that person who hasn't been around him or her for a long time, look, look back and say, you were there at one point and now you're here. So many times as you're moving forward in growth, you're like, well, it doesn't seem to be what I wanted it to be. Again, working at Texas Roadhouse is not as easy as I wanted it to be. It does, it's more physical, physically laborious than I wanted it to be. Disillusionment starts to set in. Dang. Not as young as I used to be. I'm not 22 anymore. I'm not 23 anymore. But I don't care what it looks like because people around me even are looking out and saying, man, you're growing. Man, you're maturing. As a young man, as a man, as a husband, as a worker, disillusionment. You got to be aware of it, though, because if you're not aware of these enemies, they're going to blindside you. And you're going to be like, oh, God, I guess I'm not doing the right thing. Oh, God, I guess I'm not moving forward. Oh, God, I guess I heard you wrong. No, you heard him right. That's why you're feeling these things. The last one is distraction. It's not a matter of when. It's a matter of how you respond. As you get ready to move forward in this one thing's process, as you've identified your why and you start saying, all right, I'm moving forward. This is why you are going to get distracted. You're going to get distracted. Right. Have you ever noticed like when you want to go on a diet, all of a sudden people start wanting to offer you dessert or bake you pies or bake you cakes or cupcakes? PJ, come over to my house, man. I got some fried chicken for you. Oh, you devil is a liar. You're a heck of fake, man. You're in the flesh. Get thee behind me. You're in the flesh, boy. As you get ready, you want to mature in a certain area of your life. All right. I'm going to pray 15 minutes before I go to bed. How is it that before I started praying, because I, I decided to do this before I go to bed because I can't go to bed. I have a hard time going to sleep, right? All of a sudden, you lay in your bed. Like, hold on. For the last 10 years of my life, it took me two hours to fall asleep. I decided to say I'm going to pray 15 minutes before I go to bed. As soon as I hit the, hit the pillow, I'm falling asleep. What the heck is that? Has that ever happened to anybody? All right. 
distractions are going to come up. You have to learn. And the great thing about this one thing's process, it helps you focus on one thing at a time. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. And as you focus on one thing at a time, it helps you with the how. Okay? I'm going to talk about the how really quickly as we're moving forward in growth and about this process. Because my, my desire tonight is to stir you up for this process. My desire tonight is to give you a vision for growth and to help you identify your why and understand your why. As you get ready in this one thing, I want you to be able to answer people, this is why I'm doing it. This is the process that I'm growing, but this is the why. All right? So we talked about the enemies of the why, but now we need to begin to move forward. All right? Move forward in the process. And as you move forward in the process, you have to understand this Nehemiah principle. All right. Andy Stanley wrote in his book, Visionary. He began to read through Nehemiah and he, developed, he saw this principle in Nehemiah. After 30 days of them getting ready to rebuild the wall, they got discouraged. They got disheartened. The enemy came. These five enemies came alongside them and boom, they wanted to drop it. And he called it the Nehemiah principle. After 30 days, you need to remind yourself of the why. Really, you need to wake up and you need to say, this is why I'm doing it. You need to go back and say, this is why I'm doing this. Because after 30 days, there's just something innate in human beings where we forget it, right? You ever start a New Year's resolution? How long did it take you to quit? I bet after that 30 days, you were quit, right? I don't even know if that makes sense. (laughs) But after that 30 days, right? Again, a diet, reading something, starting something. So he said the Nehemiah principle. Now, a guy, Mike Murdoch, he he, he developed something that's called the Y test. And so he says, when you look at your why, you need to ask these seven questions. All right. When you look at your why, you need to ask these seven questions to see if your why is big enough and if it's strong enough to sustain the the growth that you're desiring to pursue. If it can sustain the change that you want to see in your life, if it can sustain the purpose that you're pursuing. So the first question, you guys got your notes out? Get ready. All right. Yes or no question. That's it. All right. Me and my wife, we have arguments about this all the time. Baby, yes or no question. No, baby, I don't look at it that way. And then there's times she asked me, baby, yes or no. Nah, baby, see, because I'm trying to look different perspectives. All right. Well, all right. We don't got time for that is yes or no. Okay. Yes or no. We got this, baby. We're on the same page right here. All right. First question. Do you constantly procrastinate on important tasks? Do you constantly procrastinate on important tasks with your family? With your school, with your marriage, with your church, with your work, do you constantly procrastinate on important tasks? Yes or no? Do you remember or do you require coaxing to do small chores? Do you need somebody to give you, you know, Scooby snacks in order for you to do the laundry? And I do need this in my area of my life. Jesus, help me. My wife's patient, right? She's like, baby, I'll hook you up with this if you help me do the laundry. All right, right, cool. Do you constantly require coaxing? To do small chores. Three, do you perform duties just to get by? Well, I'll do the minimum. All right, I just got enough done. Man, forget all those overachievers, man. I hated them anyways. I always try and be great and get the A in the class. Shoot, I'll take a C. You know what I'm saying? C means I pass. I see you, right? I pass. D, or four, (laughs) do you constantly take talk negatively about your work? When you're looking at your job, when you're looking at even your dreams or your passions or things that you're doing or something that you accomplished, do you constantly talk negatively about it? Five, do efforts of friends to encourage you irritate you instead? When someone comes alongside of me, he's like, hey, you got this. Is it like, oh, heck yeah, I got this. Or is it shut your face? 
I'll do it if I want to do it, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. Do you get encouraged when people come to encourage you or does it frustrate you? Just get on my back. Let me do it when I want to. Do you start small projects and abandon them? Yes, I do. Jesus, help me. Do you start small projects and abandon them? Finally, do you avoid self-improvement opportunities? Like accountability. Someone says, I want to walk with you. Like your manager saying, hey, I want to help you with this project. Like your pastor preaching and saying, I want you to re-listen to this sermon. Do you neglect them or do you avoid self-improvement opportunities? All right, raise your hand if you've said yes to all seven of those things. Keep it real, y'all. Come on. All right, we got an honest man. I appreciate you, bro. I appreciate you. Raise your hand if you say yes to six of those things, to five of those things, to four of those things, to three of those things. <laughs> you just want to raise your hand, huh, girl? <laughs> so the majority of us in this room are saying yes to the majority of this, this, these questions. We failed the why test because we have not yet seen our why as big enough or strong enough in every area that we said yes to in these things. So do you constantly procrastinate on important tasks? Those tasks really aren't important to you then. The why is not strong enough. Do you require coaxing to do small chores? You don't see how, in, how those small chores add up to big, large things. They're, yet, they're not that important to you yet. Now, this isn't to slap us upside the head and make us feel bad about ourselves and want to go stick our head in a hole. But what it's to do is to help us realize we have to know why we do what we do. You have to understand why you do what you do. You know, there was a young a woman I was here listening to a story this week. And there was a woman who had some of the worst circumstances that you could possibly grow up in. She grew up and her mother didn't want her or her sister. So she gave her to her grandmother, her and her sister. She lived with her grandmother as a young girl and then was consistently raped verbally, mentally, emotionally by her uncles. She was abused and raped by her uncles for years. Finally, her, grandma, or her, her mother found out and said, okay, I'm going to remove her from that house. She moved her into another house with like another friend or family, a uh, close person in the family, and they were continually raped there. So by the time they became teenagers, they both ran away and stopped living with any, you know, any adults. Got hooked, she got hooked on drugs, she got hooked on alcohol, and she had a son. At age 30, she was hit, and she just woke up. She finally, she just woke up, and she's like, I don't care if anybody else doesn't value me, I'm going to begin to value me. And she began to make a decision. She's like, I don't want my son to have to grow up the same way I do. She began to answer the why for herself. My son is worth having opportunities. My son is worth having uh, opportunities to be able to succeed. He is worth having protection. He's worth having a home that he can live in. He's worth not living on the streets. She began to ask her why she wanted to change her life, why she wanted to move forward. So she decided to go and get her GED. And everyone in her family around her mocked her. They mocked her. They laughed at her. They made fun of her. They told her, you can't do it. You're stupid. You're foolish. You're dumb. You didn't, you know, you didn't even go to high school. You, you can't do this. So she went. She, t- she studied her butt off. She took the GED test, and she needed a score of 45 to pass. And guess what she got? 44.5. And she failed. And everybody mocked her. We told you you couldn't do it. 
See, you're stupid. You can't even get a point five to finish your test. You're a failure. You can't do this. And you know what she did? She took that. And she said, I don't care what you're saying. My why is too important. I'm remembering my why I'm doing this. And she went back. She continued to study harder, took it the next time, and she passed it. Then she enrolled in a four-year university. And she got a job on the side. She was working full-time and school full-time. And you know what she did? She passed. She said, I don't need to be smart to graduate. I just need to put myself around smart people and work hard. And so she went around the smartest people that she could find. And she, she busted her butt. She, was per- she persevered. And she went hard at it. And you know what she did? After four she or actually after it took like seven or eight years, she graduated. And then after she graduated, she went to pursue a master's degree. She finished a master's degree in social work, and she began to transform others' lives. She answered the question of why. She knew why. She faced the enemies of why, and she kept going. And when it got hard, she remembered the why. We have to begin to look at those why tests. We have to look at the enemies of the why. And we got to be able to answer the question of why. And our why has to become stronger, and it has to become bigger. We have to be able to see why things are so important. Why we do what we do. Look at your daily life. Why do you do what you do? Why do you go to work? So you can pay your bills? There has to be a better reason than that. There has to be more. Why do you pray and see God's face? Just so that way you could feel like a great Christian? I mean, there has to be, the why has to go deeper. I really believe that prayer transforms the world. That I can move nations through my prayer. I really believe that me pouring into one youth can possibly be me pouring into a whole generation. Do you, do you feel me here? You have to have a hundred answers to your why question. Because when you don't want to do it anymore, you have to remember the why. When you're tired physically, you have to remember the why. When people are mocking you, when people are asking you to go places and you can't go because you got your schedules too booked, you have to remember the why. When you don't feel like doing it anymore, you have to remember the why. When you feel drained, when you're in that dip and you feel like there's no getting out of it, when you feel like you're spiritually feeling disconnected or people around you are now isolating themselves from you because you can't seem to hang out with them when you want to hang out with them, you have to remember the why. I'm not experiencing any of that right now at all. How could I share that? Because I'm going through some of it and I'm reminding myself of the why. I'm reminding myself of why I'm doing what I'm doing, whether it's spiritually, whether it's financially. You have to get to a place as we begin to move forward in this process and stop thinking, stop expecting just this big bang change to happen. It's not going to happen. Stop just expecting to win the lottery. Start working, saving, start making better decisions with your money. Y'all feel me on this? Y'all getting me here? We have to remember why we're doing what we're doing. And remember, it's a process. It takes time. And we need to stop waiting for someone to motivate us to do it. You need to stop saying, well, when Pastor Benjamin calls me three days a week, then I'll start growing spiritually. He ain't going to call you. Start growing. You know, there was a Nigerian runner. And someone asked him, he, he placed gold, uh, he took like a gold medal and his team took, did really well in one of the Olympics. And someone asked him, like, man, how is your team so good? How does it seem that, that your nation, your country just breeds great runners? And he says, it's the road signs back home. The ones that say danger, beware of lions. You got to recognize there's lions all around you and they will tear you up if you're not willing to change and grow. Satan roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. 
If you don't want to grow spiritually, get ready to be eaten alive. That's part of the why. Why are you trying to grow spiritually? So the enemy can't destroy my life. Why do you want to pray more? So I can stand against the wiles of the enemy. Why do you want to eat better, phys- eat better, eat more healthy? Because I don't want the enemy trying to take my physical body out when God wants to use me for 100 years of my life. Your why has to get bigger. Your why has to get stronger. And you need to stop waiting for people to motivate you. I got a secret, y'all. Y'all ready for this? Get your pens out. Motivation will come. Motivation will come. But it always follows discipline. Motivation will come, but it follows your discipline. If you want to see motivation start happening... You want to see momentum start building up? Start getting disciplined. Start saving a dollar a day. What's going to happen after 30 days? What's going to happen after one year? What's going to happen after two years? Start saving $2 a day. That should be motivation enough. I saw, actually, I got a savings. You, you, want to, you want to get motivated to work out? Start working out for one month straight. See how your body feels different. See how, how your health is a little bit different. Motivation follows discipline. It's two sides of the same coin. But a lot of times we're waiting for people to spiritually motivate us. I got to hear a great sermon. I have to go to a conference. I have to have a powerful service. Then I'll be motivated to grow my relationship with God. No, start growing and you'll get motivated because you'll see God start answering your prayers. You'll realize that you're more sensitive to his voice. You'll realize that your faith is stronger, that you can face situations and not be so shaken. Now that should be some good motivation. Right? I can't tell you. I, I don't want to work a second job anymore. But when I start seeing these cards being paid up and getting ready for us to be able to cut them up, I'm like, ooh, I'm motivated. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Talk about motivation. I'm going to finish this junk. I'm going to finish this race. We have to get ready to increase our why. We have to understand it, and we got to get ready to move forward. So as I begin to talk about the why, we talked about moving forward to the how, okay? Now, really basic. The process is easy. Seven quick steps. All right, I'm going to move forward a little bit because a lot of times we think that we have to have everything laid out. We have seven simple steps for you as you move forward in the one things process. But you need to realize that those may adjust just a little bit. Those may change just a little bit. Now, that's not meant for you to give, let, let yourself off the hook. But it's just to help you understand that when you go forward in a process of growth, things don't always seem to happen exactly the way that you want them to happen. And sometimes you need to modify things as you begin to grow in certain ways. You know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., he said, faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the staircase. And some of us, we want to see the A through Z, and God's just saying, start with A and begin to move forward. And this is the process that God has given us for growth. Is it the only process for growth? No. Can you grow different ways? Yes. Have people grown different ways? Yes. But what has God have for living hope? The one thing's process. And so this is something that we're committing to together. So the first step is picking your one thing, right? As we get ready for this, pick your one thing. Spiritually, make it simple, make it easy. What is it? Is it growing in prayer, Bible reading, worship? What is it? Two, create an easy plan to implement your one thing in your daily routine. If it's reading your Bible 15 minutes a day, when are you going to do it? Right? Be specific because if you're not specific, you leave it in the clouds. And guess what happened? It stays in the clouds and it ends up floating away. And you wave it to it, bye-bye. Right? Be specific. Get it on paper. Put it underneath your feet. Help get, get a plan together. 
that you can begin to move forward in it. The third step is connecting with that small group. And, and why am I sharing this with you on a Thursday Thunder? Because we're launching this on June 2nd, and I need you to be the runners. I need you to help stir people up. I need you to help motivate people for this. I need you to help spread the buzz and get people to move forward. And I need you to get ready and excited to move forward in it, right? So number three is connect with the small group. Share your one thing. Get plugged into a small group. Get ready to get connected with others, right? We have the four groups that you can sign up with. Start right now. Don't wait till June 2nd. Don't wait till the second week of June. Start now. Four, step four, consistently gather with your small group for learning, sharing, support, and for accountability. You have to choose in this process to consistently connect and not wait for people to call you. When you're growing, if you really want something, you're going to go after it. You're not going to wait for people to call you and say, hey, I got a plan for you. You want to do it? Hey, I'm going to give you money to start your business. Can you make a plan now? No. They're going to be like, I got money. What's your plan? And if you ain't got one, they're going on to the next person. Right? When you connect with your small group for sharing, learning, accountability, and growth and support, you come ready. If no one calls you, you call them. All right? Get that. Look to your neighbor. Say, call them. Why? Remember the why. Remember the why. Why are you calling them? Because you want to grow. You need to grow. It's absolutely essential. It's necessary. It must happen. When you're feeling lonely, well, they're not hitting me up. And I'm always the one to reach out to them. And they just don't care about it. Shut your mouth. Remember the why. And call somebody. Amen. Number step five, celebrate the wins at the, at the end of the quarter, right? We have to celebrate our wins at the end of the quarter. That's part of the process of the one things. See, we're going to talk about this in a second, but you're going from being goal-oriented to growth-oriented. Goals last a short period of time. Growth is lifelong. When you change your focus from just focusing on goals, and goals are good, don't get me wrong. Goals are good. That's our one thing. It's a goal. But it has to go deeper than a goal. It has to go into growth. I'm beginning to institute this in my life so that way I can, for the rest of my life, begin to live this out. Because what happens when the one thing's process is over? Do you stop reading? Do you stop praying? Do you stop eating healthy? Do you stop building your relationships? Do you stop working? Do you stop serving in the church? No, you move forward. You move forward in those things because you've grown in those things, right? But you've got to be able to celebrate the wins. And finally, six or six is get ready for the next quarter. Choose your next one thing. Really simple, right? After, after spirituality, we're to go into physicality. Then number seven, the process repeats the next quarter. Choose a new small group if you like. Seven easy steps, seven, this is the how, seven easy steps for us to begin to move forward in this process. Seven easy steps for us to begin to grow together. And I'm going to end with this, right? You got to value this process. You got to value this process. The process equips you for a lifelong journey of forward movement. It equips you for growth, right? Galatians 6, 9, Paul tells us, don't become weary in while doing. Why? For at the proper time, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. The temptation is to go from A to Z, right? Everybody hates that kid in the car when you're driving somewhere and they're constantly asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You want to turn around and backhand that kid with love in Jesus' name. Just be real, right? Come on. I'm not the only one, right? But what happens when you just pose that question? Are we at the end of this quarter yet? Are we done with our small group gathering yet? Did I do my 15 minutes yet? You're missing everything. You're missing all the scenery along the drive. You're missing everything in between that God's speaking to you, that God's doing, that God's wanting to reveal to you. And the temptation is to jump from A to Z. 
The temptation is to jump from A to Z. It's to get rich quick. That's the temptation. But again, if we're talking about physicality, again, if I was talking about, even for the example of debt, right? I mean, we've learned so much through this process. We've matured spiritually. We've matured in our marriage. We're like learning to work together as a team like we've never have before. And you see, the thing with goals and growth is you could accomplish goals without growing. Do y'all realize this? I could spend 15 minutes in prayer every day, but really not spiritually mature. Because my heart could be completely absent from it. I could read my Bible an hour a day, seven days a week, but not really grow in spiritual maturity. Because I'm just doing it religiously. Someone could come to me and give me a $10,000 check and be like, boom, you're out of debt. But I'll never learn what it means to work hard with my hands. I won't learn what it means to budget. You know, they say even debt consolidation, and I'm not knocking debt consolidation, but they say debt cons- people who go through a debt consolidation, 70% of them go back into debt. Do you know why? Because they've never learned the lessons necessary to keep themselves out of it. And the majority of people that go bankrupt end up going bankrupt again. And the percentage of people that have declared bankruptcy in their early 20s has skyrocketed over the last 10 years. Talking about people 23, 19, 20, 21 declaring bankruptcy because they haven't learned, they haven't grown. And so you could bankruptcy clean slate, but guess what? You still haven't learned how to financially steward. You still haven't learned how to be responsible. You still haven't learned. And am I knocking any of those things? No, but what I'm saying is we have to value this process. Value this process, okay? One big moment, one big success, one big experience, it lasts for a moment. But listen, as we get ready to move in this process head on, this growth is going to last for a lifetime. I guarantee you, if you're willing to stick with this process, you're going to look back one year from now, six months from now, two years from now, five years from now, and you're going to see major growth happen in your life. When you focus on remembering the why you're doing what you're doing, you begin to commit to the how, and you begin to value this process, you're going to see growth. Amen? So my heart's desire tonight was to get ready to stir you up. I want to challenge you tonight or this week, this weekend, I want you to talk to three to five people about the one things process. I want you to begin to put action and begin to put steps to your faith and begin to talk to three to five people about this process, about how you're going to begin to move forward in it. And I want you to begin to answer the why questions to them. So this is what I want you to do. Here's some very specific homework. You're going to go to somebody and you're going to say, I'm getting ready to do this three-month process to grow in my spiritual life. And here's why I'm doing it. And you're not going to just give them one reason. You're going to give them at least 10 reasons of why. You got it? You're going to give them 10 reasons at least why. You should really do this. Go home and make a list of a hundred reasons of why. Because I bet when you're going through the three months, there's going to be over a hundred reasons of why you should not continue. And your why has to be stronger. Your why you're doing it has to be stronger than your why not. So remember your why. Remember your why. Remember your why. Identify it and begin to remember it. Identify it and begin to remember it. Amen. Let's get ready to just close in prayer. God, tonight, I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of why. 
You said, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, God. I know the purposes I have for you, purposes to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And God, you're the God of process. Paul said this, I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If there was no reason for us to grow at the moment of salvation, you would have took us immediately into heaven. But God, you're desiring for us to mature in our faith. You're desiring for us to grow. And God, this one thing's process, you've given our pastor's vision to move us forward. Now, Father, I pray that more than excitement, I ask that you'll give us a self-control and a resolve to begin to move forward in discipline. You said like a city without walls is a man without self-control or a woman without discipline. It's time for us to mature in our faith. It's time to do things, not because we want to, not because we like it, not because it's fun, but because we know why we must. God, I pray that as this house begins to think on the why, you'll show them why you've called them to living hope, God. You'll show them why you've called them to accountability and support with this house. You'll show them why even we're beginning to move forward in this process. Lord, I pray that the answer of why begins to overwhelm us, God. And again, not just one reason, Lord, but overwhelm us with hundreds of reasons. Overwhelm us with thousands of reasons. And let those reasons begin to move us to action, God. Help us to remember the why, God. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. God bless you tonight. I want to encourage you as you go home, open up our Living Hope website. Go online. Look at the One Things pages. Look at the process. Know why we're doing it. Like I said, don't just get excited. Get ready. Get ready to grow. This, this is an exciting thing. I mean, growth is an exciting thing. But more than just excitement because excitement is short-lived. But when you have a resolve, and again, you know your why, you're able to move forward and process with great determination. And that's what we're desiring to do. Amen? Amen. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you on Sunday. We'll see you on Sunday.